brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. This is about our kids, this is about our coaches, our communities, and everything that they pour into this. One of these things is not like the other. I think you got your point across, John. Did I get my <laughs> point across? Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so, large device or small. It's time for the semifinals here in the playoffs in the GHSA. We are down to the final four in each classification. It is 32 teams that are left, not including flag football, as their playoffs are kicking in as well. We'll get into that as we go here today. John here, Hannah there, and uh, it's an interesting show because it's going to be an interesting week going to be. So here's what we're doing on today's show. We're going to recap our Football Fridays in Georgia game of the week, Walton versus Carrollton. Check. Preview our double header mm-hmm. semifinal game. So much for burying the lead. Okay. Yeah, you heard that right. Mill Creek versus Milton and Rome versus Langston Hughes. We're going to break down key games with some bracketology and hear from Fulton County AD Stephen Kraft on the underrated Fulton County high school football team. Well, and also the, the idea of of what it will take to logistically pull off this mm-hmm. doubleheader. And for those of us here at Georgia Public Broadcasting, it's a first. When the semifinals themselves were at the Georgia Dome before uh, you have things now where it's one site for the finals, it used to be home sites for the finals, and the semifinals were at the Georgia Dome, and it was two days of five games that would start at like 11 o'clock or you know 9 o'clock in the morning, and it would go at like 9, 12, 3, 6, and 9 or whatever, and then it, we'd be – all just incredibly tired, and we would crash all day on Sunday. This is the first time in the history of Georgia Public Broadcasting where when we have on-site doubleheaders for home sites that we're doing two games at once. I mean, we've done – there have been times in the regular season where Mm -hmm. we would come on at our regular time, we'd wrap up a game, and then we would do our main game like we would do at Memorial Stadium, Hallford Stadium. Shows you how old I am in DeKalb (laughs) County by mentioning it as DeKalb Memorial Stadium. But this is the first time that we've had semifinals back-to-back, one site – on Georgia Public Broadcasting, and obviously we Not can't... Not a web game. No, no, no. TV this is games. straight up TV, and it's going to be... We're catching up with everybody and keeping everybody up to date with what's going on with all the 730 kicks, keeping on your social media if your teams decide that they want to kick off a little earlier. But Hannah and I are going to be bringing in all the planes and directing traffic for one more week and figuring out who the finalists are going to be in a week and a half's time over at Georgia State Stadium in Center Park. A lot more of that to come, but first I want to take a look around the state and some big news. So coming out of the quarterfinals. How big was it? (laughs) Coming out of the quarterfinals, defending champions Warner Robbins and Fitzgerald survived, Mm -hmm. both winning in OT. Dutchtown is a semifinalist for the first time in its 18-year history after taking down Mays in OT 40-34. to John, those were some wild games. And you've got another couple of semifinalists for the first time, St. Francis in the uh, semis for the what first time. What a fun story that is. Frank Barden, who won championships at Cartersville, is now taking St. Francis to a semifinal, one game away from playing in the last game of the year. Sly County, Darren Alford, who's been a, a guest with us a lot on the postgame show. Yes. Sly County has now made it to the semifinals. For, it used to be, let's get into the playoffs. Then let's get into round two. Let's get into the quarters. Now they're into the semis, and that progression with Darren Alford is, is working out as well. Our road warriors. We yes. have 
Cedartown did not have to make the four-hour bus ride back unhappy. They beat Bainbridge 26-21. to 21. So that was 257-mile drive. Mm-hmm. Not the longest, though. Calhoun to Ware was 309 miles, yeah. and Calhoun did have to make the drive back yeah. sad. They lost 35 to nothing. So that's a long, long, quiet ride back, John. No doubt about it. Oh, oh I forgot to mention, we have a new friend. Oh! We have a new friend. No way. Once again, let me go below the, for those watching the video version, I'm going to go below the table, which is a naughty, it's a naughty, not a good thing to do for television. Naughty, not nice. It's naughty, not nice. It's a naughty, not nice thing for television. I don't know where you're going with that. It's just, it's just not something that you're supposed to do on TV. I'm breaking rules okay, for television. Okay, but you do it every show. Of course I do. But still, you want to sit there and you want to tell folks that it's not something that you're supposed it's to naughty, do. naughty, not nice. No. Okay, let's, let's look at this helmet. It's maroon. Yes. It's a it's a nice shade of maroon though mm. with a gold spear through the top. It's, maybe a, like like a lightning bolt maybe Ooh, or something. Okay, like that. so what team is this? This is Dooley County. Nice. This is from our this is from our friends at Dooley County and uh, Coach Cecil Lester, who uh, made it to the previous round before uh, losing to Lincoln County. So Lincoln County. Uh, beats Dooley County 24-21, but Coach Lester. Yeah, they made a great run this they, year. They did, and uh, caught up with him for my column uh, two weeks ago. And here is the Dooley County helmet, the Dooley County Bobcats. Here's oh. the helmet, so we get to add this to the stacks as, <laughs> as I break my fingers. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, break my fingers. But, yeah, Dooley County, we get to now add that to, uh, that new friend to our stacks on the studio. We we kept trying to get him on the postgame show, too, and the technology is, yeah. just wasn't cooperating. No, no, technology was not cooperating in Lincoln County. And uh, But, no, once again, thanks to Cecil Lester and everybody awesome. at Dooley County for bringing us our new friend. And as we always say, we want to show you off to the rest of the state. And so if you want to have your helmet on the set... Find a way to reach out to us, and we will be more than happy to have new friends introduced here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast and on Countdown to Kickoff on Thursday. All right, let's recap our Football Friday in Georgia game of the week. It was a 7A quarterfinal matchup between Walton and Carrollton at Grisham Stadium, which featured the classification's leading passer in Trojans quarterback Juju Lewis. He has 3,000. 339. I was hoping for like 3,333 yards. So next time out, you want him to like have minus six yeah. yards passing yeah. for one play. Just so that so way it's I a 3333. 3333 yards. Uh-huh. He was 22 of 32 for 333 yards. There you go. Wow. And four <laughs> touchdowns. No interceptions on Friday. Okay, but he wasn't even the best performer on the field, if you can believe it. Bryce Hicks mm-hmm. was our Cotton Commission player of the game. For the second time ever. First time we've had a second yeah. second timer. First mm-hmm. time we've had a second timer. Uh-huh. And listen to these numbers. He had 89 yards rushing, 64 yards receiving, five touchdowns, also accounting for five tackles and an interception in the 52 to 27 win over the Raiders. Here's Carrollton head coach Joey King after the game with reporter Nikki Noto Palmer. Coach, what can you say about our Georgia Cotton Commission player of the game over here, Bryce Hicks? Uh, he was on the field on, on both sides of the ball all night long. I've said it time and time again. Man, he's our best football player. He can play any position on the field. He'd probably try to play offensive line if we let him. Not quite big enough, but uh, I, I love him to death, and he fought his tail off tonight. We also pulled a clip from Hicks himself. Here he is after the game. All right, let's bring in our Georgia Cotton Commission player of the game, Bryce Hicks. Bryce, bring it in. How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. It's a good win. Uh, we came out, executed, came out with the win. Now we're going to the fourth round. That's what's up. You're going to the semis. You got to go through Moultrie. You're playing Colquitt County. Do you know anything about that program? 
Uh, I know they got our old head coach, Calhoun, but it's going to be a good physical game, so I'm just, we locked in on Sunday, on Sunday meetings. All right, well, you had a physical game yourself. Let's go through these numbers. On the ground, 19 carries for 90 yards, three touchdowns, and then in the air, four receptions, 64 yards, two touchdowns. How'd you get it done tonight? Uh, I just executed the team. Um, we, we came out, did what we practiced all week, and just came out the light. So, John, this kid just had the night of his life. Uh, again. And, and he goes, Again. I just did my thing. Yeah. Just another Friday night for me. But but that's but I think that Terrible speaks. Impression. But I, but I think that speaks to what uh, mm -hmm. Joey King and the coaching staff are giving when it comes to presentation and how you want to just go ahead and focus on the task at hand every yeah. single week. Uh, what the the coach's messaging is rubbing off on the players, and they know that the that the drill is not done, that the season is not completed, and so it, for them it is just it's great to win but it's another step in the process. And remember that this game was tied at one point. Mm -hmm. And then Carrollton put the pedal down and put 52 on the board by the time the night was over. Wow. It was really a wild one to watch. And like Nikki said, uh, Carrollton advances to the semis to face Colquitt. Mm -hmm. This will be their first meeting, so that'll be an interesting one. Well, and we also heard you know, facing their mm -hmm. old coach in Sean Calhoun, friend, friend of the postgame show as well. So that's a, while it's it's – Two great teams and two great programs. I know that folks might be focusing on that little bit of subplot as well, but that's only half the bracket there in 7A. So our two doubleheaders are a 7A game and a 6A game. The game we just talked about was bottom left of the 7A bracket. So let's take a look at those two brackets, John, starting with 7A. Mm -hmm. What happened? Colquitt put up 52. Carrollton put up 52. Mill Creek was up early on Westlake, got the win 38-14, to and then Milton once again in control over Grayson 35-12. So you had two teams in the 30s. You had two teams in the 50s, and I think it speaks to, once again, what we're seeing is the extremes with high-powered offenses and stingy defenses as you get to this point of the, of the season. That's how you end up with Carrollton, Colquitt, Mill Creek, and Milton at Lakewood. Now in 6A, you have Roswell and Hughes, two Fulton County teams still in the race. What are your takeaways from 6A last Friday? Well, I think Thomas County Central had a big Thomas County Central had a big lead, and Roswell came back to get the win. So great come from behind win for Roswell. You just hope that if you're a fan of the Hornets, that they didn't expend all their energy in coming back and getting this win to get to the semifinals. Then you have Gainesville and Houston County. This game, I think, was tied at 14 at one point. Then Gainesville, we've seen them all season long just grow into these games and put up big numbers by the time they're done. So Gainesville won by two touchdowns. Hughes, this one was tied early as well. I think it was 21-21. Then Daniel Boone Williams, the head coach at Hughes, they've adjusted, and they've, we've seen that this season on Football Fridays. They put up 56 on the board. And in a game that I think maybe took – uh, and I'm being facetious here. It might have taken like an hour and 12 minutes. But Rome and Marist, two teams that uh, want to sit there and run clock, make sure that the other team has to be clinical in their possessions. Rome got the win 17-7, so that's your final four. More brackets coming up after our guest. But in the meantime, you can go to gpb.org sports for all the brackets or download the GPB Sports app. What she said. And so it's time to catch up with uh, someone who has had a very, very busy last couple of days. Fulton County Athletic Director Stephen Kraft to break down what it's like to try to put a doubleheader together and what it's been like for Fulton County Athletics and Fulton County football to be making this deeper run with this many teams. <laughs> 
Hey, thanks for joining us on the show today. So Fulton County schools are always heavily represented late in the season like this. Many go on to win state championships. Three are left in it. What does that say about football in your area? It just says we have amazing kids, amazing coaches, amazing community support and, you know, tremendous district support because it takes all of those in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is about our kids. This is about our coaches, our communities, and everything that they pour into this. You know, when you advance this deep into the playoffs, you have talent, but also, you know, you have luck. But really it comes down to that commitment that all of the stakeholders have in place in order to make this happen. So, you know, as the, as the district athletic director, you know, this is one of the proudest accomplishments to have three teams in the state semis. And, you know, we had five in the quarterfinals that, you know, nearly qualified. So, I mean, it's just an amazing accomplishment for our district and our schools and most importantly, our kids. Well, and you're seeing different names coming to the fore as well. I mean, Alpharetta makes it into the playoffs and they're turning their program around. You're seeing Cambridge win region titles. It's like you're seeing, yes, you're seeing some of the same names that we're used to seeing, but you're also getting that new blood from the county as well that's being put into it and making those deep runs into playoffs too. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think it just shows to the level of competition that we have in our district. You know, everybody is competing against each other and, you know, iron sharpens iron and, you know, they're, they're working to get to that next step. And so you see programs that are elevating to our other programs that have already had, you know, a long history of success. And so it's just good for everybody. And, you know, I love that it's not always just the same teams that other teams are popping up and, you know, it's just, you know, just, they love competing. And, you know, I think we've got an environment that is really conducive for that in Fulton County. On the flip side of all of this, you hear a lot more about Cobb County schools, Gwinnett County schools. Do you think Fulton County gets the respect it deserves? You know, that's a tough, that's a tough question for me to answer. Um, I am extremely proud of the success we have had across the board in all sports. Um, during my 11 years as the athletic director here. And I think when you look back at it and look at the success and the number of state titles, you know, I would put our record up against anybody. So I can't control who gets talked about. You know, we definitely do our part to celebrate our programs and support our programs. But, you know, I'm, I'm very proud that we have three teams in the state semifinals. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there's not another district right now that can claim that for this year, at least in 2022. All right. So let's let's get into the, the logistical aspect of the semifinals in a playoff structure. What's it like juggling all these different chainsaws as an athletic director trying to get something uh, orchestrated the way that you had to at times in the playoffs, not just this year, but in other years. How difficult a task is it for an athletic director to to do what is being done it, with double headers and stadia and neutral sites and all these kinds of things? How tough a task is that? It, it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It is hard, but I've got amazing school athletic directors that I support them, and they get a lot of work done for us. But, you know, we do have to work hard on the logistics. And, you know, in this situation that we're in right now, you know, three teams in the semis, I don't have one stadium that can support the GHSA requirement of 6,000 seats. So then we have to find venues if we're the designated home team. And so, you know, working that out is, is tough. And, you know, I mean, I, I typically, you know, like the normal playoffs, you know, I'll pick maybe north or south if we've got a couple of home games. And, you know, 
I'll go to one game to the next. You know, the other night we had Creekside actually starting at 7, and I had two games at 7.30, so I went to Creekside at 7. I went to Langston and watched the end of their first half, and then I ended up that night with the uh, Westlake Parkview game. So I saw three of my teams compete that night. So I'm busy and go as fast as I can go to as many locations as I can in one night. When it comes to Lakewood this Friday, how is it going to work specifically? Yeah, so, we, so we've got two games set up, and that, that is something that is a little unique for us in Fulton County Schools, but that is not unique for APS. You know, they routinely have doubleheaders during the season, and they had a doubleheader in the second round of the playoffs there. So, you know, we've got one game set up for five, and that's the Milton versus Mill Creek game, and then we will start the next game. Right now it's slated for 8 o'clock, and, you know, it'll be 30 minutes after – the ending of the first game. So hopefully we stay on schedule. We can't always quite control that, obviously. But, you know, we're going to bring the two, the first two teams in, and, and we're, work, we're still working through all the logistics of that. But then, you know, as soon as that game is over, we'll have the second game there. So I think it's incredible that we can have two semis at the same venue. And I think it's awesome that y'all are agreeing to broadcast this, and I'm excited for this. And, you know, for me, I get to see – you know, two of my three teams participate. I don't have to drive all over the place for it. So I'm kind of happy about that. So on those same lines, what about the fans? Do you have to completely clear the stadium out and then re-ticket everyone? How is that going to work? And isn't that going to take a lot of time? So, so normally with an event like this, you would have to clear the stadium. But the reality of this is, you know, Lakewood Stadium holds close to 12,000 people. So we're going to have a lot of space for the fans. And so we are not going to have to clear the stadium. Um, All the tickets are done electronically through GoFan. So the Milton and Mill Creek will be buying, you know, from their link. The Langston and Rome fans will be call, will be buying from their link. So you don't have to worry about the separation of money and making sure the schools are getting what they're entitled to do. So, you know, I am excited from the fact that we don't have to clear the stadium now. So so if some of the if some of the fans from Mill Creek and from Milton wanna watch the second game, they're gonna be welcome to do that. Um we're gonna have plenty of space. We'll move the bands out and move them in and out of the stands and then kind of work from there so but you know we should have plenty of space for everybody to be there on friday well so and let me ask you this when it came to i guess the i guess what i'm looking for here is almost the 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 uh, the play-by-play of how this came to pass so sure uh quarterfinals end you you know who your teams are that are going into the semifinals how immediate were the conversations getting all of these things in motion because it's teams it's stadia it's all these different things how how busy was your weekend i assume you have unlimited minutes on your cell phone where you can be in conference call capabilities i mean what was it like for you that's exactly right and i'll I'll be honest with you the phone call started as soon as i was driving home from langston's game um that was the that was the second game that i went to on friday night and I knew I had um, three teams that qualified. And so I started reaching out right then. I was reaching out with uh, Gainesville's athletic director. I was reaching out to, um, I was getting a number for Rome's athletic director. And then I was reaching out to um, the head coach at, uh, at Mill Creek because I had his contact number. So I started that conversation Saturday night. Um, and then, you know, probably worked till about one thirty, two o'clock that night. And then, you know, started working the phones again, probably 7.30 Saturday morning. 
and started kind of really working on this and, you know, making sure because, you know, obviously, you know, we had three teams that were designated as the home teams. And so I had to find venues for this. And, you know, at one point I had three venues and um, I lost one of those venues. And so that kind of forced us to like, okay, here are the options. And, you know, so Langston and Rome, you know, so ju just so y'all know, when, when the home team stadium does not meet the capacity, then it is the responsibility of the home school to secure a facility that does meet it, unless the opponent agrees to waive the seating requirement. Right. In this case, I, you know, all three schools asked to have a stadium that meets the seating requirements, and that is their right, and, you know, for the white book. And so we started working. So I was fortunate, you know, through, you know, McEachern was more than happy to host a game for us. And so we put Roswell and Gainesville there. Um, I had already secured with APF um, to have the Langston-Lakewood game, uh, the, the Langston Rome game there at Lakewood. And then, you know, we weren't able to use their other facility, which is where I was kind of hoping to put the Mill Creek Milton game at. And so at that point, I started the conversations with, with the Mill Creek administration, like, hey, here's the options that we can do. Here's some choices. Would you like for me to look at this, this, and this? Um, are there any circumstances you would consider playing this game in Milton? And they said, no. Um, I asked them about, listen, the Forsyth schools do not meet the capacity, but their stadiums are much larger than ours. Do you want me to reach out to those schools to see if they would be interested? And they said no. So at that point, the, the, the venue that I had available to do was to do a doubleheader at Lakewood. So at that point, I started working on it. I started having conversations with my counterpart, Jasper Jewell, who is the athletic director for APS, and Corey Collier, who is his coordinator, and started having conversations about like, hey, is it doable to do a doubleheader? And we started working through the logistics. And so I reached back out to Mill Creek and said, hey, here's what I can do. Here are the options. Are you interested in this? And they said, no, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in that. I called a few other places that weren't interested in hosting us. And so I'm like, okay, here's where we are. We're going to do a doubleheader. And, you know, we, we finalized everything and signed the contract Sunday. And then, you know, I just kept working most of the day Sunday, working on the logistics for this. Roswell's back in the playoffs for the first, not for the first time, for nine, for nine years in a row. Milton, we all know what they can do there. The heavyweight of Fulton County in the finals last year, won a state championship in 2018. But Hughes is a team that was 2-8 and eight in 2019 and has come onto the map with quarterfinals, finals. Now they're in the semifinals. How much fun has it been to watch them come onto the, onto the map here? It's absolutely incredible for them. And, and to your point, they were two and eight three years ago. These are the same kids. You know, they, you know, they took their lumps that year. They were a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing, and they're playing 6A football at that point with those kids. And those kids have grown up and they've gotten better. And Coach Williams and his staff has done an amazing job developing those kids and setting up structure and the environment for those kids to be successful those kids have embraced it and you know listen they came so painfully close last year to uh winning the state championship you know they were ahead for a good portion of that football game in the state finals and you know they came up short so they have been hungry this entire year so 
for me as someone that, you know, I don't watch them practice every day. You know, I've got 16 high schools in Fulton County. You can't be at 16 places at once, Coach? I I try. I try. But not all the time. Maybe (laughs) on a good day I can. But to see their growth and to see their determination this year, you know, they obviously have had a target on their back this entire year. Mm -hmm. You know, they've been ranked number one from day one. And they have handled that pressure, and they played a challenging preseason schedule, you know, non-region schedule. They included a couple of nationally ranked teams, and, you know, I'm proud of them for doing it. I'm just excited for them to get an opportunity to play in the semis on uh, Friday as well. And, you know, Milton is back after going through the, the, you know, they were in the state finals last year. They graduated a lot, but they have such a wonderful culture they got a brand new coach with ben reeves who was the offensive coordinator and you know they haven't missed a beat you know they took a couple of losses early against nationally ranked teams and that prepared them to you know have success in the playoffs and then you know roswell and chris pruitt chris has been building that program each year since he took over about three or four years ago and they were just getting better and better and better. And, you know, I knew, and they, they were playing, they were a quarterfinal team in 7A last year. And so now they're down in 6A, and here they are in the semis. And, you know, I'm just proud of all three. I'm proud of the coaches, and I'm proud of these kids. My last question for you is about flag football, which has made such a splash on GPB sports the past couple of years. How has that sport grown in Fulton County? And some, who are some of the heavy hitters that are still going at it? You know, we we would have followed the very next year after Gwinnett, and obviously COVID hit, and so we did one team as kind of the pilot, and that was Westlake that year, and then the next year we added it every single high school, and it has been just the the support for it. the The girls have absolutely loved it. The coaches are enjoying it. It is fun to watch and I'm excited to watch them. You know, anything we can do to promote female sports and get more athletes out there competing is, you know, it's going to get hundred percent support from me always. And what's unique about this is kind of where this season is, you know, you have a lot of multi-sport athletes that mm-hmm. are playing flag football you do. and what they're doing is, you know, it, it's kind of unique, but our coaches are working together to support them. So the softball coach is working, working with the flag football. You know, we got volleyball girls that are out there. We got basketball players and the coaches are working together to allow these girls to play both sports at the same time. So I'm excited for them. Well, coach, as always, it's great to have you on to, to kind of pull back the curtain when it comes to administrative duties and how it is for an athletic director, not just for one school, but for like 11 billion that you have to kind of keep an eye on for an entire season. <laughs> and your pride in the kids just gives me chills. Yeah. You, you're, the passion well, in your voice you. is, is really awesome. So, yeah, so uh, Fulton yeah. County Athletic Director Stephen Kraft. Coach, thanks for coming on with us to, to talk about the doubleheader, the logistics involved, and what it means this deep in a playoff run to have Fulton County uh, going as deep as you are. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. We definitely will be seeing you on a sideline very soon. Perfect. Thank you all so much, and thank you for everything you all do to promote athletics in the state of Georgia. Always great to catch up with Stephen Kraft to talk about Fulton County football. But as promised, let's go through the rest of bracketology. John, we left off at 5A. On the left side, Ware County will face Dutchtown. On the right side, Warner Robins versus Cartersville. The Demons trying to get back to the finals again. What are your takeaways from 5A? Two of the games went to free football. The Dutchtown game with Mays, as you mentioned, 40-34. 
and the stingy defense with uh, Dutchtown that we've seen this season going to Ware County. You've mentioned travel. Travel, travel, travel. Not quite, uh, not quite the 300 plus <laughs> miles that Calhoun takes oh, to go to Waycross, gosh. but I think it's going to be a stern test for Dutchtown as they go to Ware County. Ware County shut out Calhoun, winning that one by 35. And then on the right hand side of the bracket, two teams that we've always noticed and always known we're going to be making deep runs: Cartersville and Warner Robins. And I know that a lot of folks, the beginning of the year. Warner Robins is one they and four. They do it every year. They do it every year. But that's the thing is that you want to challenge yourself mm-hmm. and, and get you prepared for region play and these kinds of runs. And we had Marquise Westbrook on the post game yes, show to did. talk about it. You're down. You're, you're one and four, and I'm sure that a lot of folks were either kicking dirt on them if they weren't a Warner Robins fan or might be concerned. But I'm always like, look, region plays where you make your hay. You learn about yourself in non-region play so you can be ready for region play season two, which gives you these runs that we're seeing. But at the MAC. Cartersville and Warner Robins. That one is going to be stout. Seems to work for Coach Westbrook mm-hmm. year after year. 4A, it's Cedartown versus North Oconee and Benedictine versus Troop County. Yeah, I know. West always seems to play <laughs> east here. And this one's going to be in Savannah this round. You know, in, the, in these regions that were paired, uh, New Hampstead was the four seed coming out of that region. They played Troop in a back and forth in round number one. And so now that we're here in, in round number four, you get Troop and Benedictine playing each other again. Great talents, Teo Todd, Zaquan Bryan, uh, Luke Krumenhawk. Fantastic athletic prowess. I think that the game still might be going on by the time we come back here next week to talk about it with the All-Stars. I don't doubt it. And then North Oconee, undefeated. Great mm-hmm. season so far, but what we've seen from Tyler Rott and that group with the Titans. Cedartown, top-ranked most of the year. So it's going to be a stern test for an, for an undefeated team and, and uh, game at Cedartown. It's going to be a great environment there. Triple A on the left, it's Carver Atlanta versus Sandy Creek. And on the right, it's Cedar Grove versus Oconee County. Cedar Grove trying to get back as well, John. Three teams from the same region. Wow. A, well, as we say here in public broadcasting, region of doom. one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Wait, we say that? It's, it's from, uh, is that Sesame Street, I think? Oh. Yeah. One, sure. one of the Sesame Street routines. You know, one of these things mm-hmm. is not like the other, and that would be Oconee County. Everybody else is from the same region. Carver and Sandy Creek on the left-hand side. They played each other already this year, and Sandy Creek won by 10. Okay. So this is a rematch of a region game on that side. And then Oconee County with, uh, I think there are three seed coming in, going to Cedar Grove. It's going to be a tough one as they go and play at Godfrey Stadium. Double A Fitzgerald versus Fellowship Christian and Appling County versus Thompson. Rockmart and Fitzgerald. We knew it was going to take a while. It did. It was free football there. And Fellowship Christian took care of Pierce County. They had a big lead early on. And Fellowship Christian got the win. We caught up with uh, head coach Tim McFarlane of the Paladins on the postgame show as well. Fellowship and Fitzgerald, left-hand side. That one's going to be an interesting one. Then Thompson and Appling County. Thompson, I think, has been one of the more quiet teams this year because mm-hmm. they're in the Augusta area. And you, you've got to kind of have to pay attention to the eastern frontier a little bit. Appling County, huge lines on the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Going to be one of the toughest tests the Bulldogs have had all season. Class single A Division One. I, I think your song also applies to this one. Yeah. One of these things is not like the other. True. You have, you have heavyweights Irwin County playing Swainsboro and then Prince Avenue Christian playing our Cinderella story, St. Francis. Well, but St. Francis, though, they won a region title. I wouldn't necessarily sit there. If you're a fan of St. Francis or this season, or maybe Frank their, Barden, their whole season. Yeah. But I mean, if you're Frank Barden, the head coach, you might mm-hmm. sit there and say, that's a great idea. Say we're a Cinderella story. <laughs> but, they, but, they won a, but they won a region title. And so they yeah. come through as a one seed. And uh, St. Francis is going to have to go to, to Bogart in the suburbs of Athens to take on Prince Avenue Christian, who Aaron Philo, and I know that you've been 
uh, keeping an eye on Aaron Philo all season. Hannah, one of the tremendous quarterbacks here in the state of Georgia. Swainsboro and Irwin County. This game was supposed to happen in the regular season, but the hurricane knocked it off the board. So these two teams, it was supposed to be in Swainsboro. This time it's going to be at Buddy Noble Stadium. Great matchup on the left-hand side. And that's interesting, John. And one other thing about St. Francis, too. Do you think they have emerged this year because of the reclassification? That could very well be. I mean, you also have teams that cycle through. And uh, mm-hmm. for Coach Barden, it's been a couple of years. And so it's a couple of years under the same cycle of understanding what Coach Barden wants and chasing after championships and having veteran teams and things like that. Just getting adjusted to how Coach Barden wants to do things, I think, plays into that, too. And finally, Class Single A Division Two. We have Bowden playing Lincoln County and Johnson County playing Sly County. Yep, and uh, Lincoln County and Bowden. This one we do know is a 7:30 start, and so for uh, Lee Homskis and Lincoln County, they're having to travel all the way basically from Lincolnton, which is the South Carolina uh, Georgia border, just north of Augusta to Bowden, which is on the other end of I-20, and you're going from one end of the state to the other. That's going to be a, a, an interesting travel plan and how Coach Homskis breaks up the day to go play Bowden, one of the top-ranked teams in Division Two all season long. And Sly and Johnson, you know, we talked about Sly County, but once again, Jermivey Tucker, <laughs> running back, Johnson County, make that kid an offer. He beat Herschel Rock- Walker's career record for yards Call gained. Him. Call him. Call we Don Norton. Cell phone number Call on the Coach podcast. Norton in Wrightsville. Get Jermivey Tucker an offer. Get Jermivey Tucker an offer. Come on, coaches. I know you sit there and it's like, okay, well, he's five foot, you know, five foot six, and he might be 150 pounds. But as we always say, it's not the size of the mm-hmm. dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Jermivey Tucker, make that kid an offer. Still flying below, still flying below the radar in a semifinal. <laughs> I'm screaming in general. <laughs> One of the most overlooked running backs in the state of Georgia leads his classification, breaks Herschel Walker's record on campus. Make that kid an offer. Come on, folks. Get with it. My brain is rattling in between the headphones. Well, it's because I'm pounding the table. (laughs) And screaming. Yes. Well, no, if I was screaming, it'd be a little louder than that. Oh, man. Well, I think you got your point across, John. Did I get my point across? Yes, even our listeners are about to call him and make him an offer. <laughs> make an offer. I, I might call him. <laughs> oh man! Call Johnson County High School college coaches. You're missing out. That's all I'm going to say. All right, guys, we got a lot more brackets on countdown to kick off this week. We took a turkey day break, much needed mental rest. I know everybody missed us, but we're back this Thursday to break all this down even more in depth. So make sure to tune into countdown to kick off GPB Sports Facebook Live Thursday at noon. What you said. In other very, very, very important news. Yes. I just want to know. Oh, here we go. Is everybody got here their Christmas go. decorations up now? Here Is we everybody go. on board? Here we go. All right. So Christmas decorations. We we this was uh see, for those that haven't caught up earlier episodes, <laughs> Hannah like skipped nine holidays and had her her Christmas decorations. November first, like, I was already got March. I already had the boxes out. It you know, for you know, for St. Patrick's Day, she had her uh, decorations up for Christmas. <laughs> And the re- the rest of us here. I've already got St. Patty's out, yeah. Well, no, yeah. So, uh, straw poll before uh, before we go. Who has their decorations up and who is still working now that we have passed Thanksgiving? How much leeway have you given yourselves? Anyone? It it doesn't seem that anybody in this room has any Christmas mm. decorations How up at disappointing. all. Disappointing. That was so, disappointing. Well, you guys are just a bunch of Scrooges. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> how how does 
how does one relate to the other? This this uh, cause effect relationship of yours does not compute, young lady. Uh, how, how does how does how does one relate to the other? I don't know. You just, just need to be in the spirit, John, the spirit of Christmas. So so what you're saying or holiday, whatever holiday you so celebrate. So what you so what you're so what you're maintaining is that for those of us who traveled during Thanksgiving, those of us who had to go in other you locations, find the time. I am a twin mom with two jobs. I found the time. Because you skipped like nine holidays and put it up in March. Can you believe? I can believe this. Can you? I can. I, I sit here and ask this rhetorically. Can you believe this? Can you believe that she is sitting there and saying, just because those of us had to travel, they, we're, we're supposed to find Everybody's the time just shaking their at like at me. 3 a.m. on Sunday morning exactly. to put up. Uh, yeah. Exactly what I'm talking about. Seriously. Should have woken up this morning, John. 3 a.m. Decorated. Oh, yeah. I like your haircut, by the way. Championship haircut looks great. Yeah. Well, it had to happen. It needs to be, like, patted down a little bit. But, you know, we and can, we that, can work on that but later. That's, but that's not a surprise that it needs to be patted down. It's I love the that championship way. haircut. Fresh cut, ready to go? Yeah. No, fresh cut, ready to go. Uh, speaking of ready to go, what's the broadcast plans again? Let me let me pull it up. Our doubleheader, 5 o'clock, 7A matchup between Mill Creek versus Milton. 8 o'clock, 6A game, Rome versus Langston Hughes at Lakewood. Yep, GPB, GPB TV, and GPB.org and the GPB Sports app for the first ever doubleheader. Semifinal double doubleheader neutral site. Football Fridays in Georgia as we get you ready for the championships. Hannah and I are going to try to direct all the planes on the tarmac and let you know who's going to be in, what the scores are all night long. So it's going to be a fun night from Lakewood Stadium as we get everybody prepared for Georgia State. Yeah. And then we'll do uh, media days on Sunday. Yes. And we'll catch up with, with coaches. With head coaches. And so those... we'll tell you all about that next week as well as check in with our All-Stars. All-Stars for the next two weeks after this. So it's going to be fun. So the sprint continues when it comes to the championships. So as, as I turn and see who is here one final time, let me see. So I think it's, it's everybody. So it's uh, King James, Ambassador Jeremy, Jake the Snake, and, uh, Command, and Commander Sandy. And for you who've already put up your decorations because <laughs> the rest of us actually had to travel when it came to uh, uh, our holiday Activities. Just full of cheer. Yes, you are. Every day. And demands. Every day. Cheer and demands. Just so if you cheerful. didn't put up your decorations this past <laughs> weekend, you're wrong and I'm correct. That's not, that's a good impression. Of you yelling? I don't yell. Oh, no, of course not. I don't think I've ever yelled. Oh, yeah, you've yelled. I have? You have. When? Oh, it's it has nothing to do with this show, but you've yelled. <laughs> We've, we've got to figure this out. Yeah, we do. So what we're going to do is we're going to figure it out, and we're going to let uh, the rest of you guys uh, root on your favorite teams and root on the semifinals. So for everybody here at Georgia Public Broadcasting, thanks for hanging out with us for another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Doubleheader Friday night, Football Fridays in Georgia on all of the GPB platforms. So for everybody here, hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. Get your decorations up now that we've passed and are headed to Christmas. So for everybody here, I'm That's just your John. your final notice. Play, your, play it safe, everybody. We'll see you at the semifinals. to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.